Hello and welcome to another episode of Demented Darkness. I am your host, Scary Jerry. I've decided this week to do another Brothers Grimm episode for you, although I will be doing it slightly different than last time. I am going to read them, and then I am going to try to decode what the moral of the story is. Let me know what you guys think. I will catch you at the end. This one is titled, The Riddle. There once was a young king's son who was seized with a desire to travel about the world and took no one with him but a faithful servant. One day he came to a great forest, and when darkness overtook him, he could find no shelter and knew not where to pass the night. Then he saw a girl who was going towards a small house, and when he came nearer, he saw that the maiden was young and very beautiful. He spoke to her and said, Dear child, can I and my servant find shelter for the night in the little house? Oh, yes, said the girl in a sad voice. That you certainly can. But I do not advise you to venture it. Do not go in. Why not? asked the king's son. The maiden sighed and said, My stepmother practices wicked arts. She is ill-disposed toward strangers. Then he saw very well that he had come to the house of a witch. But as it was dark, and he could not go farther, and also was not afraid, he entered. The old woman was sitting in an armchair by the fire, and looked at the stranger with her red eyes. "'Good evening,' growled she, and pretended to be quite friendly. Take a seat and rest yourselves. She blew up the fire on which she was cooking something in a small pot. The daughter warned the two to be prudent, to eat nothing and drink nothing, for the old woman brewed evil drinks. They slept quietly until early morning. When they were readying, readying for their departure, and the king's son was already seated on his horse, the old woman said, Stop a moment. I will first hand you a parting draught. While she fetched it, the king's son rode away, and the servant who had to buckle his saddle tight was the only one present when the wicked witch came back with the drink. Take that to your master, said she. But at that instant the glass broke and the poison spurted on the horse, and it was so strong that the animal immediately fell down dead. The servant ran after his master and told him what had happened, but would not leave his saddle behind and ran back to fetch it. When, however, he came back to the dead horse, a raven was already sitting on it, devouring it. Who knows whether we shall find anything better today, said the servant. So he killed the raven and took it with him. And now they journeyed on towards into the forest for the whole day, but could not get out of it. By nightfall they found an inn and entered it. The servant gave the raven to the innkeeper to make ready for supper. They had, however, stumbled on a den of murderers 
And during the darkness, 12 of these came in, intending to kill the strangers and rob them. Before they set about this work, they sat down to supper. And the innkeeper and the witch sat down with them. And together they ate a dish of soup in which was cut up the flesh of the raven. Hardly, however, had they swallowed a couple mouthfuls before they all fell down dead, for the raven had passed on to them the poison from the horse flesh. There was no one else left in the house but the innkeeper's daughter, who was honest and had taken no part in their godless deeds. She opened all the doors to the stranger and showed him the heaped-up treasures. But the king's son said she might keep everything. He would have none of it, and rode onwards with his servant. After they had traveled about for a long time, they came to a town in which was a beautiful but proud princess, who had caused it to be proclaimed that whoever should set her a riddle in which she could not guess, that man should be her husband. But if she guessed it, his head must be cut off. She had three days to guess it in, but was so clever that she always found the answer to the riddle given her before the appointed time. Nine suitors had already perished in this manner. When the king's son arrived and, blinded by her great beauty, was willing to stake his life for it, then he went to her and laid his riddle before her. What is this? said he. One slew none, and yet slew twelve. She did not know what that was. She thought and thought, but she could not find out. She opened her riddle books, but it was not in them. In short, her wisdom was at an end. As she did not know how to help herself, she ordered her maid to creep into the Lord's sleeping chamber and listen to his dreams, and thought that he would perhaps speak in his sleep and discover the riddle. But the clever servant had placed himself in the bed instead of his master, and when the maid came there, he tore off from her the mantle in which she had wrapped herself, and chased her out with rods. The second night the king's daughter sent her maid in waiting, who was to see if she could succeed better in listening. But the servant took her mantle also away from her and hunted her out with rods. Now the master believed himself safe for the third night and lay down in his own bed. Then came the princess herself, and she had put on a misty gray mantle, and she had seated herself near him. And when she thought that he was asleep and dreaming, she spoke to him and hoped that he would answer her in his sleep as many do. But he was awake, and understood and heard everything quite well. Then she asked, One slew none. What is that? He replied, A raven which ate of a dead and poisoned horse, and died of it. She inquired further, And yet slew twelve. What is that? He answered, That means twelve murderers who ate the raven and died of it. Then she knew the answer to the riddle she wanted to steal away, but he held her mantle so fast 
that she was forced to leave it behind. Next morning, the king's daughter announced that she had guessed the riddle and sent for the twelve judges and expounded it before them. But the youth begged for a hearing and said, She stole into my room in the night and questioned me. Otherwise, she could not have discovered it. The judges said, Bring us proof of this. Then the three mantles were brought by the servant, and when the judges saw the mystery, misty gray one which the king's daughter usually wore, they said, Let the mantle be embroidered with gold and silver, and then it will be your wedding mantle. The End Boy, I'm going to say with that one, I think the biggest walkaway story is, well, there's a couple. Number one, don't stay at witches' cottages. Number two, don't fall in love with beautiful princesses. In all of these stories, they always seem to go really badly for the guy who falls in love with this princess. Like this one, she would have had his head cut off. She doesn't love him. She doesn't care about him. She just wanted to guess the riddle at any cost. I guess the true moral of the story is don't trust women? Question mark? I don't know. Send me an email. Let me know what you think. Okay, for our second one tonight is titled The Mouse, the Bird, and the Sausage. Once upon a time, a mouse, a bird, and a sausage became companions, kept house together, lived well and happily with each other, and wonderfully increased their possessions. The bird's work was to fly every day into the forest and bring back wood. The mouse had to carry water, light the fire, and lay the table, but the sausage had to cook. He who is too well off is always longing for something new. One day, therefore, the bird met with another bird on the way, to whom it related its excellent circumstances and boasted of them. The other bird, however, called it, poor, called it a poor simpleton for his hard work, but said that the two at home had good times. For when the mouse had made her fire and carried her water, she went into her little room to rest until they called for her to lay the table. The sausage stayed by the pot, saw that the food was cooking, and when it was nearly time for dinner, it rolled itself once or twice through the broth or vegetables, and then they were buttered, salted, and ready. When the bird came home and laid his burden down, they sat down to dinner, and after they had their meal, they slept their fill till the next morning. And that was a splendid life. The next day, the bird, prompted by the other bird, would go no more into the wood, saying, He had been servant long enough, and had been made a fool by them, and that they must change about for once, and tried to arrange it another way. And though the mouse and the sausage also begged more earnestly, 
the bird would have this have his way and said it must be tried they drew lots about it and the lot fell on the sausage who was to carry wood the mouse to become cook and the bird was to fetch water what happened the little sausage went out towards the wood the little bird lighted the fire the mouse stayed by the pot and waited alone until the little sausage came home and brought wood for the next day. But the little sausage stayed so long on the road that they both feared something was amiss. And the bird flew out a little way into the air to meet it. Not far off, however, it met a dog on the road who had fallen on the poor sausage as lawful booty and had seized it and swallowed it. The bird charged the dog with an act of barefaced robbery, but it was in vain to speak, for the dog said he had found forged letters on the sausage, a capital offense. The bird sadly took up the wood and flew home, and related what he had seen and heard. They were much troubled, but agreed to do their best, and remained together. The bird therefore laid the cloth, and the mouse prepared the food, and wanted to dress it, and to get into the pot as the sausage used to do, and roll and creep amongst the vegetables to mix them. But before she got into the midst of them, she was stopped, and lost her skin and hair and life in the attempt. Because she jumped in a boiling pot of water. When the bird came to carry up the dinner, no cook was there. In its distress, the bird threw the wood here and there, called in search, but no cook was to be found. Owing to his carelessness, the wood caught fire, so that conflagration ensued. The bird hastened to fetch water, and then the bucket dropped from his claws into the well, and he fell down with it and could not recover himself, but had to drown there. The end. Wow. That is my kind of story. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, be happy with what you've got in life, and don't envy what others have. Because if they all would have just been happy with what they had, the sausage wouldn't have gotten eaten by a dog, the mouse wouldn't have boiled herself, and the bird wouldn't have fallen in the well. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. All right. And our next one, Mother Holly. There once was a widow who had two daughters, one of whom was pretty and industrious, while the other was ugly and idle. But she was much fonder of the ugly, idle one because she was her own daughter, and the other one who was a stepdaughter, was obliged to do all the work and be the Cinderella of the house. Every day the poor girl had to sit by a well on the roadside and spin and spin till her fingers bled. Now it happened that one day the shuttle was marked with her blood, so she dipped it in the well to wash the mark off but it dropped out of her hand and fell to the bottom. She began to weep and ran to her stepmother and told her of the mishap, but she scolded her sharply and was so merciless as to say, 
since you have let the shuttle fall in, you must fetch it out again. So the girl went back to the well and did not know what to do, and in the sorrow of her heart she jumped into the well to get the shuttle. She lost her senses, and when she awoke and came to herself again, she was in a lovely meadow where the sun was shining and many thousands of flowers were growing. Along this meadow she went, and at last came to a baker's oven full of bread, and the bread cried out, Oh, take me out, take me out, or I shall burn. I have been baked a long time. So she went up to it and took out all of the loaves, one after another, with the bread shovel. After that, she went on till she came to a tree covered with apples, which called out to her, Oh, shake me, shake me. We apples are all ripe. So she shook the tree till the apples fell like rain and went on shaking till they were all down. And when she had gathered them into a heap, she went on her way. At last she came to a little house, out of which an old woman peeped. But she had such large teeth that the girl was frightened and was about to run away. But the old woman called out to her, What are you afraid of, dear child? Stay with me. If you will do all the work in the house properly, you shall be better for it. Only you must take care of my bed well and shake it thoroughly till the feathers fly, for then it will snow on earth. I am Mother Holly. As the old woman spoke so kindly to her, the girl took courage and agreed to enter her service. She attended to everything to the satisfaction of her mistress, and always shook her bed so vigorously that the feathers flew out about like snowflakes. So she had a pleasant life with her, never an angry word, and boiled or roast meat every day. She stayed some time with Mother Holly, and then she became sad. At first she did not know what was the matter with her, but found at length that it was homesickness. Although she was, made, was many thousand times better off here than at home, still she had a longing to be there. At last, said she to the old woman, I have a longing for home. And however well off I am, down here I cannot stay any longer. I must go up again to my own people. Mother Holly said, I am pleased that you long for your home again, and as you have served me so truly, I myself will take you up again. Then she took her by the hand and led her to a large door. The door was opened, and just as the maiden was standing beneath the doorway, a heavy shower of golden rain fell, and all of the gold stuck to her, so that she was completely covered over with it. You shall have that because you have been so industrious, said the mother holly. And at the same time she gave her back the shuttle which she had let fall into the well. Thereupon the door closed, and the maiden found herself up above upon the earth, not far from her mother's house. And as she went into the yard, the cock was standing by the well side and cried, Cock-a-doodle-doo, your 
Golden Girls, come back to you. So she went into her mother, and as she arrived thus covered with gold, she was well received, both by her and her sister. The girl told all that had happened to her, and as soon as the mother heard how she had come by so much wealth, she was very anxious to obtain the same good luck for the ugly and lazy daughter. She had to seat herself by the well and spin, and in order that her shuttle might be stained with blood, she stuck her finger into a thorn bush and pricked her finger. Then she threw her shuttle into the well and jumped in after it. She came like the other to a beautiful meadow and walked along the very same path. When she got to the oven, the bread cried, Oh, take me out, take me out, or I shall burn. I have baked a long time. But the lazy thing answered, as if I had any wish to make myself dirty. And she went on. Soon she came to the apple tree, which cried, Oh, shake me, shake me, we apples are all ripe. But she answered, Wouldn't you like that? One of you might fall on my head. And so went on. When she came to Mother Holly's house, she was not afraid, for she had already heard of her big teeth, and she offered work for her immediately. The first day she forced herself to work diligently and obeyed Mother Holly when she was told by her to do anything, for she was thinking of all the gold that she would give her. But on the second day she began to be lazy, and on the third day still more so, and then she would not even get up in the morning at all. Nor did she make Mother Holly's bed as she ought. She did not shake it so as to make the feathers fly up. Mother Holly was soon tired of this and gave her notice to leave. The lazy girl was willing enough to go and thought that now the golden rain would come. Mother Holly led her also to the great door. But when she was standing beneath it instead of gold... A big kettle full of pitch was emptied over her. That was the reward for your service, said Mother Holly, and shut the door. So the lazy girl went home, but she was quite covered with pitch, and the cock by the well side, as soon as he saw her, cried, her, cried out, Cock-a-doodle-doo, your pitchy girls come back to you. But the pitch stuck fast to her and could not be got off as long as she lived. The end. Okay, the very obvious one there is do your work good and you'll be rewarded. Be lazy and you'll be punished. But the bigger question I have is why are the Brothers Grimm talking about golden showers? Hmm. And if a golden shower is a golden shower, would a pitch shower be from somewhere else? Hmm. Just the thoughts. Anyhow, on to the next one. Okay, we'll do one more, maybe two. The Seven Ravens. There once was a man who had seven sons, and still he had no daughters, however much he wished for one. 
At length his wife gave again him a child, and this time it was a daughter. The joy was great, but the child was sickly and small, and had to be privately baptized on account of its weakness. The father sent one of the boys in haste to the spring to fetch water for the baptism. The other six went with him, and as each of them wanted to be the first to fill it, the jug fell into the well. There they stood and did not know what to do, and none of them there dared go home. As they still did not return, the father grew impatient and said, They have certainly forgotten it for some game, the wicked boys. He became afraid that the girl would have to die without being baptized, and in his anger cried, I wish the boys were all turned into ravens. Hardly was the word smoke spoken before he heard a whirring of wings over his head in the air. He looked up and saw seven coal-black ravens flying away. The parents could not recall the curse, and however sad they were at the loss of their seven sons, they still to some extent comforted themselves with their dear little daughter who soon grew strong and every day became more beautiful. For a long time, she did not know that she had had brothers, for her parents were careful not to mention them before her. But one day she accidentally heard some people saying of herself that the girl was certainly beautiful, but that in reality she was to blame for the misfortune which had befallen her seven brothers. Then she was much troubled, and went to her father and mother and asked if it was true that she had had seven brothers, and what had become of them. The parents now dared keep the secret no longer, but said that what had befallen her brothers was the will of heaven, and that her birth was not to blame. But the maiden took it to heart daily, and thought she must save her brothers. She had no rest or peace until she set out secretly and went forth into the wide world to find her brothers and set them free. Let it cost what it might. She took nothing with her but a little ring belonging to her parents as a keepsake, a loaf of bread against hunger, a little pitcher of water against thirst, in a little chair as provision against weariness. And now she went continually onwards, far, far to the very end of the world. Then she came to the sun, but it was too hot and terrible, and devoured little children. Hastily she ran away and ran to the moon, but it was far too cold and also awful and malicious. And when it saw the child, it said, I smell, I smell the flesh of men. At this, she ran swiftly away and came to the stars, which were kind and good to her. And each of them sat on its own particular little chair. But the morning star rose and gave 
her the drumstick of a chicken and said, If you have not that drumstick, you cannot open the glass mountain. And in the glass mountain are your brothers. The maiden took the drumstick and wrapped it carefully in a cloth and went onward again until she came to the glass mountain. The door was shut, and she thought she would take out the drumstick. But when she undid the cloth, it was empty, and she had lost the good star's present. What was she to do now? She wished to rescue her brothers and had no key to the glass mountain. The good sister took a knife, cut off one of her little fingers, and put it in the door and succeeded in opening it. When she had gone inside, a little dwarf came to meet her, who said, My child, what are you looking for? I am looking for my brothers, the seven ravens, she replied. The dwarf said, The Lord Ravens are not at home, but if you will wait here until they come home, step in. Thereupon the little dwarf carried the ravens' dinner in on seven little plates, and in seven little glasses, and the little sister ate a morsel from each plate, and from each little glass she took a sip. But in the last little glass she dropped the ring which she had brought away with her. Suddenly she heard a whirring of wings and a rushing through the air. And then the little dwarf said, Now the Lord Ravens are flying home. And they came and wanted to eat and drink, and looked for their little plates and glasses. Then said one after the other, Who has eaten something from my plate? Who has drunk out of my little glass? It was a human mouth. And when the seventh came to the bottom of the glass, the ring rolled against his mouth. Then he looked at it and saw that it was a ring belonging to his father and mother and said, God grant us that our sister may be here, and then we shall be free. When the maiden who was standing behind the door watching heard that wish, she came forth, and at this time all the ravens were restored to their human form again, and they embraced and kissed each other and went joyfully home. Boy, that one... That one, I would say a couple things. Okay, number one, I don't quite understand why she had to cut her finger off. If it was small enough to fit in the lock hole and turn and get it open, she probably would have had an easier time if it was still attached to her finger or to her hand. But I would say that this one is more of a tale for the parents and telling them to not automatically think the worst about their children or they might get turned into ravens. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. And on that note, I think I'm going to call this an episode. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know if uh, my assumptions about the different morals of the stories were right. Um, if you have any fan mail, death threats, you want me to tell tell me to go take a long walk off a short pier, uh, you can 
you're more than welcome to do that at you can email me at scaryjerry9 that's scary with two r's and jerry with two r's scaryjerry9 the number nine at gmail.com um also check out my instagram um it's the underscore scary with two r's underscore jerry with two r's um yeah my ugly mug is the thumbnail so check it out give it a follow don't forget to like rate and review and until next time you know what to do don't let the darkness in